Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller. My co-host, the Marta my Morrissey, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. Just to um, give you a bit of the meaning behind that, it's, um, you know, I'm racist and you're talented. So there you go. <laughs> Isn't it the way around, a part of our relationship on this podcast? Oh. Uh, I am the one who's recently uh, just received a missive from the EFL to say that they're suing me uh, because I've, um, I'm going to get cancelled. It's basically what's happening. Uh, would, would you say, um, you know, the, the comments that got you in trouble were more or less racist than uh, Ross Wallace's impression of Def John Chancery on that um <laughs> that, vid, that interview with Cy Ferry. I don't That's know something seen that. I've I have seen that I did actually I did uh, we'll get on to that. Um, <laughs> as it's a bit of a special episode as well, I thought I'd give you an intro as well, Rich. Um, oh. so let's just restart the podcast. So welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the the co-hosts, Luke Ledel, and joining me as ever is my co-host who is taking advantage of this plague to learn how to hack. How has he got on? Well, now he looks like Hugh Jackman in Swordfish and fervently speed hacks into the Star websites to unveil their clickbait Wednesday articles. It's Richard Johnny Lee Miller in Hackers. Beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> Sorry. This is. Um, ha- did you see the stars' fake um, play-by-play of a match that didn't happen that was going on on Twitter? No, because it was behind the paywall. Oh, the down to free articles. And like you've got to register, and I'm like, I have registered, and I would, well, I just lost we have- my uh, through my through my rattle out the pram on that one. Oh, they well, they had Twitter updates, and I believe we beat West Brom three two, and there were two penalties in time added on, one for each team. Barry Bannon got sent off after West Brom were awarded their penalty, and I just sort of thought, and and I think it sort of ended as well. The last comment was something like an instant classic here, and it's like, well, of course it's a f- instant classic. You've you've made it up. Like, it would be much, this would be a much more like worthwhile real life real life type exercise if it was boring because it probably would have been we probably would have either lost five nil or you know held clung on to lose one nil imagining it as a ridiculous three two in the last minute that's kind of the easiest thing to do and now then did iron man turn up and blast their goalkeeper away do you know like yeah, you're making it up. You can't then call it a classic. Such astute analysis means that it's Richard uh, Johnny Lee Miller in elementary now, basically. <laughs> so it's. Uh... Uh, I've never seen that show, but you know, I imagine it. I can imagine it, and uh, I don't like what I imagine. And um, and it's also turning into Richard Johnny Lee Miller in Train Spotting as well, as you'll be uh, <laughs> taking some heroin and sinking through a carpet somewhere in the floor. <laughs> So there's been actually weirdly for a, 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 a week now or two weeks without football. Um, we have actually got some uh, you know breaking bits and pieces to talk about. So I, I feel like it's uh, it's time to introduce our uh, our segment here. Breaking hoo-hoos. So yeah, fair few, fair few bits and pieces, and and one of them sort of broke as we were on the Love Sport Radio uh, sort of phone in uh, on Friday night. 
um, we had this news that the the charges against the individuals at the club uh, from the EFL had been dropped, um, which was an interesting sort of bit of timing for things. I'm, I'm not saying it was re- directly related to the fact I was um, I was dressing down the EFL, but uh, you know it's very easy to put two and two together in this case, isn't it, Luke? I think so. And uh, Chancery uh, DA tried to box me in, cops trying to block me, but somehow he beats those charges like Rocky, as Jay Z may have said on Izzo. Um, so nothing, nothing against uh, Chancery or John Redgate, who's who's one of our financial people. Is that correct? I presume so. Yeah. And Catherine Mia, the since departed uh, lovely Belgian law CEO, who's gone back to uh, Belgium to work there. Well, she couldn't go back to anywhere else, could she? Um, but that <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Different gravy, the slight undertones of racism coming through the gravy that we do every week, basically. <laughs> but it it felt like good news. I, I I don't. It's hard to know if this, you know, um, the sort of, for want of a better word, experts on Twitter were a bit dr- sort of split on whether that said anything about the case that the club is now making, um, or or whether it, they're sort of, you know, they're either tied together and. It, it, the fact that the individual charges have been dropped speaks sort of positively for the club. Um, some folks sort of said that they're they're pretty much unrelated, and uh, the, the the pressing on with the charges against the club is the bit that we should be most worried about and focused on. Um, I suppose you know we neither of us are experts in this field, but it feels just like a positive thing. You know, if if the individuals who have also been charged with running things badly have all presumably been found, you know, either there's not enough evidence or, um, you know, they've produ- produced enough evidence to sort of have their charges dropped. That that feels positive for the club as well. And presumably we're making that it's broadly the same argument we're making in, in both cases. Yes, no, I, I I agree with you. I'd say that, um, you know, Dave Jones did previously say there's no smoke without fire. So surely, surely the two are related, you would think. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's not it's not something that exists. It's not like, you know, Mr. Chancery uh, locks up on his way out. Uh, you know, of a, of a, I presume a Saturday evening. I, I don't suppose they close the club on a Friday because Saturday's the big day for a football team. But, uh, you know, he locks up for the weekend and then the ghost of Sheffield Wednesday starts arranging to sell the training ground and things like that. That, you know, it's, that's not a thing that happens. The, the, the club does not exist apart from the people. It is the people. So, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling I'm deciding to take it as a broadly positive thing, especially in the in the middle of, you know, one of the most bizarre weeks that any of us have ever lived through. Um, it felt like a, a, a welcome bit of news at, at the end of a Friday night. So we we touched on the Ross Wallace interview. So yes. You, uh, so you, <laughs> you took it in. <laughs> as well i thought this was funny because i i came back i was coming back from i think this is one of the days i was still allowed to go in and work in the office was this monday that this broke i think yeah i think so so it was monday evening and i came back and uh, i turned on my i have like a through my phone network i have like a thing that allows me to get a three hours worth of data i thought okay you know let's crack into this uh interview and then proceeded to basically just skip through most of the interview because it was all about (laughs) 
you know, Ross Wallace is growing up and then is Sunderland and all these kind of sordid places. A little bit about Brian Laws. That was quite interesting. Yeah. That was that was interesting about you know, Laws. Had, well, that was at Burnley, wasn't it? Burnley, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yes. And how same, uh, same color kit. Brian Laws couldn't keep control of the kind of characters from the Owen Coyle brain. Basically, so that was kind of interesting. I, d- I don't know. It was interesting because, I mean, you know, you want to kind of hear these people's views on things, but kind of hearing and listening to maybe a little bit, I've only kind of dipped my toe a little bit into the narrative of what the Wednesday fans have been saying about this interview. Me too. Me too. So I've, so I haven't fully kind of explored the whole depth of this, but I think I've heard someone commentate and say about this that this is kind of upset upset quite a few Wednesday fans. Yeah, the particularly the so that um, for anybody that hasn't seen the video, I presume if you're listening to the podcast, you probably consume all things Wednesday. Um, but uh, there might be you know the odd person. Uh, but this is an interview with uh, sort of fellow. I think he is a, still a footballer, isn't he, Cy Ferry? I think he's still pl- plying his trade north of the border somewhere. Um, but you know, middling footballer. Um, middling interviewer uh, he, he does these long form kind of hour plus interviews with players um, generally seems to have some prior experience with those players as well you know he's bumped through bumped a lot through sort of youth teams and things with the, with the players so in uh, as Ro- uh, yeah the Ross Wallace interview he had a they grew up uh, sort of seems sort of cheek and jowl with each other they, they had sort of warring neighborhoods um, in Dundee I guess it is Dundee, Dundee, yes. Yeah. Dundonians? <clears throat> Dundonians. He said he's the second best looking Dundonian he'd had on the on on his interview show. Um so so but yeah, that, that uh, in this interview uh, there's a lot of waffle um, about his youth uh, and then a good chunk about other other clubs. And then he gets to the Sheffield Wednesday portion um, and the sort of big revelation is about uh, Dep John Chancery giving team talks to the players. Um, so particularly during the time where Carlos, I think we'd lost sort of four or five games in a row, um, which is that period just before Christmas under Carlos in the first season. Uh, Chancery was sort of went in to give a, a kind of pep talk where he talked about his son being upset by the performances and things like that. Um, and I think that's really riled people up because one of the questions about the chairman is his influence over first team matters. Uh, and it felt like a bit of a confirmation of that position. Uh, I I didn't think the incident that was talked about sounded too sinister just in and of itself. Are you the same of the same mind on that or you have well, I, I guess the interesting thing was it didn't really much like we can kind of get onto the second interview that kind of happened as part of news as well when we kind of push forward a little bit to talk about Chan series interview yes yeah. not in the star sorry done with Dom Housen who's now at the Yorkshire live yes I believe it is so we can get on to that but just the thing that kind of just to kind of spoil that one which shouldn't be a spoiler for anyone who's listening because again you've probably you've probably read that as well I don't think any of this really told us anything that's particularly new really no like i mean it's interesting to hear his kind of view and what he was kind of saying with things i didn't think there was anything that was too contentious so that's that's what i'm kind of coming back at i mean there was the whole like he talked about the the carvajal um little thing about his you know him pulling that act of you know know, manager but we the, the interesting thing was that was 
that was heavily rumoured at the time that that had happened. Oh, I, I don't remember it, but I did. I find do that remember that happening that he had uh, like a kind of almost like a you know a pair of glasses. But I think it was kind of previously made out to be like a bit like your uh, your uh, your classic um, schoolhood, um, you know, an apocryphal you know, tale. The glasses, the glasses with the nose, the big fake nose and the oh, mustache yes, yeah, yeah. that you put on. It sounded a little bit like that, basically. Um, so I mean, I guess that was confirmed, but that was kind of rumored before. So, but it it sounded such a strange rumor that it was something that like you can't make up. You know, you can make up a uh, a telling of a free two victory with two penalties in stoppage time over West Bromwich Albion, um, but you can't make up a story like that. So I mean, it's interesting to hear his view. Um, I don't know. I, I think I heard some kind of comment, maybe the commentary about. The narrative from the fans talking about this saying this is everything that's wrong with footballers like you know they're overpaid yeah I saw that too yeah you know and but i i mean the thing is like i think that's kind of fair if you pick a, a character who you know is a bit of a mercenary if i don't know i don't really want to besmirch a few players even though i do regularly besmirch quite a few players on this podcast <laughs> Um, you know, from the current regime, who when they leave, you can imagine saying they're a bit of a mercenary, and you know that you know maybe yeah. they don't kind of care. But I also want to say Ross Wallace was someone who was a very good football player, who uh, for two of his three years, yeah, for two of his three years, we got very good value of him from him. Um, a little bit disappointed about that third year, but for a free signing, even on kind of good wages, he was someone who really came in and did what we wanted to do that that mold point. yeah that mold of player that we were looking for that you know that that first season was essentially grab good experienced pros and get the last few years of their you know them being good mm-hmm. and and Ross Wallace absolutely delivered on that brief i think you're right the third year was was pretty disappointing but then you know i don't think the plan was to still be playing ross wallace in year three the plan was hopefully to get up in year one or year two and then build a squad for the for the premiership um so i don't i don't hold that against ross wallace i don't i don't think i ever saw him sort of not trying i, I thought i thought i think he you know he always gave whatever he had it just by the end his legs had gone and as a winger that's one of your main things really yeah i i can see that that's sort of laughing through losses but that's another one of those weird things where you know we we occasionally compare football to other workplaces and you know he did sort of say you know well we were playing badly well you know we were you know we were getting bad results and we weren't playing well and you know sometimes in in offices you, you go through hard, you know businesses you go through hard times or things don't quite go right but when it's a team approach to something actually it's not doesn't normally fall to one individual so something's not quite gone right losses in football can be results of such odd things you know a deflection can make change the whole course of a game a, a, a stray pass a stray tackle um is something that a person has done wrong but you know a ball kind of flicking off somebody's shoulder and, and going past the goalkeeper rather than being an easy save can actually turn the course of, of a game pretty easily and it's no fault of anybody in particular so whether I whether you know oh we've lost four or five in a row so the whole dressing room should be at each other's throats and not you know not enjoying life I just find that quite tiresome as a, as a viewpoint I know footballers are paid more than normal workers but that doesn't feel like the way that you turn form around is if everybody's 
kind of angry and not sharing any camaraderie. Do you know what I mean? Completely. I, we just, we, I think we hold footballers to odd standards at, at times. And sometimes it's unhelpful. I think that just sounded like one of those where it's unhelpful because I, I don't know why. What would we want to hear that the dressing room was doing? Like somberly just like mourning the fact that they'd lost four games. I think you know well, spirits and able to pick things up again. Exactly. And I remember previously during kind of like that kind of, um, I think it was a comment from kind of the early days of Clinton Morrison at Wednesday when things weren't going oh, yeah. well. <laughs> and said, you know, the dressing room gets quite quiet after a loss. Yeah. You know, that's not what you really want. No. I don't know. I don't know. This is the type of thing. And I would probably also say maybe this is the segue to talk about the interviews of Dejuan Chansiri is I feel like we have a desire to know as much as we want and more than that. But how much does it ever really help? Yeah. Well, the, well, I've I've said before, at the risk of sort of sounding, you know, repeating myself, broken record. Um, the reason everybody is as angry as they are, by and large, is the form that we're in. The only real way to fix how... Now, some people have long-term... So this, I don't want to belittle the experience. Some people have long-term, and I feel justified, questions about the direction of the football club. It's something we've talked about as well. But that is not the issue with the kind of majority the kind of the herd the noise the the herd has turned against chancery at the moment but in large part that is because the what's happening on the football pitch has been so bad and results are the only way that you kind of shut that noise off um yeah yeah and so yeah knowing more peeking behind the curtain doesn't ever help (laughs) there's nothing that could have been said in that interview that would have made like the majority of fans go oh well it's all fine then because it's not fine because we've you know lost five out of the last six games or whatever it is and we conceded five goals in the last one so <laughs> there's nothing Chancery could do to make the form since since Christmas Day better than it has been uh, so yeah I kind of got in a way good on him for sort of fronting up and having the interview uh, it, as you say not hugely illuminating but nice to get a little bit more info. He's he's a pretty silent presence, really, in the club compared to previous chairman. Uh, for better or worse, uh, we heard a lot more from previous chairman. Uh, so, yeah, so two two chats with, with Chancery. Been the tale of the week, really, media-wise. Um, so, do you want to... In terms of a, a, a feature for today, <laughs> do we want to segue into the sort of the, the project we've been working on this week? Let's do it, Rich. Do you want to introduce us? I can do. <laughs> so <laughs> me, uh, me and Luke set ourselves the challenge of seeing if we could do better than Gary Monk over the course of a season with Sheffield Wednesday on Football Manager uh, and reporting back our results. We've not talked at great length uh, about how we did, but I do know that we both did much worse than Gary Monk did. Uh, so <laughs> um, I don't know where you want to start, Luke. I, I, um, um, well, I thought it'd be interesting to start with mine because mine's actually a slightly different kind of bent. The mentality I took with this was to basically see if I could replicate the exact kind of mentality of the management that we faced in this kind of season and take the same kind of approach, make the same starting lineups if possible, or, you know, much like, much like as we would find right now in this kind of epidemic, if you're ordering online from Tesco, um, what substitutions would they make (laughs) for the types of fruit you're after that you can't get or toilet roll? And they're like, well, maybe you could do this newspaper instead. Um, Things like that, basically. So, if players weren't fit or sometimes 
sometimes I did give a few players a few cheeky injections. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to add. So I tried to kind of replicate the season as much as possible just to see whether are they actually doing as well as a computer simulation would kind of make out. <laughs> I think as well, we should probably, towards the, uh, once we kind of covered how our seasons went, I, I would like to talk to you about the experience. I'm a person that previous in my life, you know, previous iterations of championship manager and football manager, I have sunk days and days of my life into. As I've got older, uh, I've increased. I've I've increasingly sort of felt removed from the franchise, and uh, I mm-hmm. certainly don't don't play to the play to anywhere near. You, to the, you would uh, say that uh, you have done some social distancing from yourself and uh, the various incarnations of uh, football I manager twenty yeah. twenty. <laughs> I think the last time I really played seriously was probably sort of seven or eight years ago. I think that's. Mm-hmm. Since then, it's been a kind of a dip in, dip out sort of thing. Yeah, which for myself, it probably goes back to the days of kind of, um, I don't know, like 97, 98. I I really go back to, um, because I I also like to say, Rich, I kind of like sometimes playing. There's there's fun having a lot of challenge with a um, computer or video game, but sometimes there's a lot of fun just actually just a video game just letting you just be awesome at the game because it's maybe a bit of escapism which is why i still enjoy playing pro evolution soccer and yes. why i probably haven't played any football manager iteration since uh since i don't know the early days of chat man where to be good at the game all you needed was a pulse basically <laughs> <laughs> i do think oh now we're sort of talking about it now aren't we but it, yeah i don't know what happened but it it, it seems like I, I take it that you almost get penalized for not doing the extra stuff so when we we both did it on the the touch version of the game if you if you play the full version of the game there is just so much detail to get into uh you know setting up training regimes um team talks media responsibilities uh man management's a huge part of it motivational speaking and individual chats to players during games and after after games and things like that it all so it's like and if you you can choose to kind of engage or not engage in those elements but if you don't engage in them you're kind of you're on a one-way track to 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 um getting getting removed from your position as a football manager so i don't presumably there's a base for the club for the for the 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 title that that's what they are looking for but i uh, yeah i'm exactly of the same i loved the game when it was essentially what you want to do is make a few tweaks to your team and be rewarded by them then being really good and it makes you feel (laughs) makes you feel like you're clever it makes you feel like exactly that's yeah. what you want it's a rewarding experience what they are offering now in football manager is just uh, the opportunity to make yourself really sad um it, it's sort of unrelentingly sort of miserable and sad i think the game. I, I think this <laughs> is the mentality that simulation gets so good and so detailed that eventually i'm just getting to the point where it may as well the entire thing just may as well be real time basically you know you may as well just go home after a day of work fire a football manager and then just look through i don't know two three hours of a training session and then you do your press conference and get the plate that's what it kind of comes down to right yeah that's how so maybe i don't want to I kind of to... uh 
I don't want to kind of spoil this too much. I know, sorry, we were going to talk about this at the end after talking about our experiences. <laughs> I think we've kind of front-loaded and kind of brought on and basically said to ourselves and the listener, this is this is how uh, Rich and I feel about football manager these days. <laughs> anyway. But it's um, sad. I mean, it is sad for me because it is something I've, I used to love so much and it has brought me so much joy through the years. I think that's just maybe just a point for life, Rich, is that we used to, me and you used to be a lot more active. We used to be a lot more attractive, uh, more intelligent and, uh, old father time has made a mockery of us and we're still in our mid thirties. So there we go. Old father time has made a mockery of us. That's a lovely, uh, sentiment to, to hit on. Um, did you take the opportunity to make a character in your image? I did. I didn't like that piece, but I did it anyway. Um, my experience with those things is I always end up looking like a grumpy lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, my grumpy lesbian had some blue glasses, which was uh, a bit of a nod towards Carlos uh, turning up as a new man. <laughs> Here's your new manager. She's she's mad. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I never saw my character ever again in the game. I don't know why I made a person. I, I picked out a lovely jacket for myself. I had a sort of um, a kind of aqua aquamarine jacket and some and some sort of salmon pink trousers. I never saw that man again. I also like the idea of building a character and then the camera just pans into their eyes and then through their eyes. So now you're inside the head. Exactly. That's basically and then like, and then you're like, you're just walking around an office or you walk around a training ground where there are no mirrors. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Like I didn't see myself on the match engine or anything. You know, it wasn't like a player scored a goal and zoom, it zoomed into my, you know, my brilliant character on the sideline clapping. Anyway, you know, that was that was a fun start. Um, so you were taking the mindset, you're trying to channel. Yes. So I also I really wanted were, to were... answer the post-match presses, much like the manager at the time. But I think with my touch version, I think I didn't have that capability. I think okay. that might be one in the full-fledged version, you know, not for us... Uh, not for us, not for people like me and you who like playing on consoles, but yet we still <laughs> still want to get guilted for not putting like five hours in preparation for a game, you know. Oh, do you know? Sorry, we we football manager um, is going to get a bit of a kicking, I think. Uh, to be honest, uh, but oh, I hate all the Sally. Uh, you can buy like a bad lasagna for the opposition team. You can buy a magic sponge for injured players. You can buy, uh, you can get rid of work permits. I need nearly signed a guy called Freddy Friday from Nigeria, but he hadn't played enough international games. Uh, one of the options for 99p, you could get rid of work permits. Um, you could get rid of transfer windows if you paid a fee. Awful. You've, you've, I've bought the game. Let me do the things I want to do. Those things are called options. They're not called, they're not microtransactions, you you awful hooves of men. Just, you know, come on. <laughs> Sorry. That's my impassioned play. Um, stop trying to nickel and dime everything I do. It felt like being in Vegas. <laughs> you can have dinner, but uh, you're going to have to stand in a two-hour-long queue Unless you pay us uh, $20 before you have even pick your meal. Okay, yeah, I'll have to pay the $20 then, otherwise I won't eat today. Thank you. <laughs> 
Sorry. Oh, um, so how did it go? So you were you were Lee Bullen for... Would you mind if I just uh, go first and just go through my entire experience? Would that be okay? So I'm calling this the Luke Ball Reign. Um, Lovely. Started up and uh, Football Manager tells me Sheffield Wednesday, a professional football club with a fierce rivalry with, uh, you know, Leeds United, Sheffield United and Mansfield Town. Biggest rivals we've got. Biggest (laughs) rivals. Might be biggest rivals we eventually get if points deduction and uh, the form doesn't pick up. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, media prediction of 11th difficulties from the offers announced that chance here the objective targets and the long term vision also his English isn't excellent and he wasn't too emotional <laughs> so I, I was kind of questioning how real that was just just maybe just a little bit allegedly allegedly from what people kind of say mm-hmm. so interesting enough my, in my version my squad was assembled is in the dran- January transfer window so I had Wigwam yes. and Trumpy Bum so I didn't feel this is really harsh because it's like I couldn't play them. So, um, so kind of fast forward, even though I was pretending to be uh, Luke Bullen in this one, I had to uh, look like uh, Luke Monk and uh, freeze them out of the game. <laughs> so, so maybe that was kind of that wasn't something that Lee Bullen would Lee uh, Luke Bullen would do anyway. No. So I think it's interesting from the offers giving the option to look at player contracts. And to keep the experience as real as get, I delayed decision on the contracts of all players, including <laughs> <laughs> included Mozo Debargio and Jordan Rhodes, who it stated they had a June uh, twenty twenty contract yeah. ending. Yeah, strange one. Isn't that strange? I would love it if they're right, but they're wrong. I yeah, I um, I don't know. I I wouldn't mind seeing Moses stick around for another year. I yeah, think. but if you could get rid of Jordan Rhodes in the summer, would you? You'd slough off Moses to make that happen, right? <laughs> If they were, if they were, I would sacrifice being. Moses on a badger. I didn't realize <laughs> the two walked around the training ground, holding each other's hand, living in each other's pockets. <laughs> um, further irony is Tom Lee's present the club with a code of conduct. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, my first friend, friendly Hutchinson was injured for uh, six to seven weeks. A bit more reality as Rotherham are after New You. So that kind of led me up to. I, we didn't have the same kind of first kind of friendly period. I can't remember. I didn't really make much notes about what uh, happened there. Friendlies are kind of random, aren't they? But then the, the fixtures were in the right order. Is that right? They were indeed. So Reading, Hutch and Bannon were injured. So I opted for a very Lee Bullinish Sam Winall in centre midfield. Wow. <laughs> It's what he would have done. Uh, Lees was injured, so I played Bates. Um, so the game panned out. Fletcher had a disallowed goal early in the game. I'm, one thing I want to comment from this was that uh, Joey Pelopesi, remarkably forward-thinking, in, only in this game and also for the rest of them, I think just to kind of flash forward ahead, he looked, um, he, from the simulations, he looked a great player, did this Joey Pelopesi. Great guy, yeah. And uh, remarkably forward-thinking in this game because he made one ball forward. Reading were 1-0 at <laughs> half-time. It was a penalty. Burner fouled Mace on the stroke half-time. Um, and then uh, Charlie Adam then scored in stoppage time as well. Uh, the match report reported back that Kieran Lee nearly gifted uh, Reading a goal in the eight-second minute, which wasn't something I saw. So first up, uh, two lost 2-0 to Reading. as in 22nd position. Uh, we got a little bit better in the game against Barnsley. Joey P pinged a Hollywood ball forward for Kadeem Harris to run onto and first time lash past the Barnsley keeper. Then uh, Fletcher made it 2-0 in the 10th minute with uh, Palmer crossing in for a header at the near post. Um, however, Barnsley made it 2-2 in the 72nd and 88th minute. Um, that game appearance, uh, Sam Winnell in a centre mid appearance, got a payment bonus of 325 grand for Barnsley. Wow. 
Um, the press reported that Wednesday were the happiest set of supporters, which I thought was a little bit strange. <laughs> um, next up in the League Cup, I played, instead of playing Rotherham, I played Bradford, of which uh, Bradford's Curtis Guthrie banged a screamer in the 78th minutes. And Kadeem Harris had a delicious offside header from a Fox Cross, so we lost 1-0 that one. Uh, next up was Millwall. Jake Cooper had an offside goal, goal disallowed. It was a dull nil-nil. Turned up to 90th. And then my first win came against Luton. So an eighth-minute Barry Banner penalty. Fletch successfully shows his age by falling over in the box. And <laughs> that was 1-0. We became 13th. Only other thing from that game, I also had a nice header over the bar. It took me seven games. I, I beat Huddersfield 2-0, and that was my first win. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Just to uh, kind of flash forward, um, Harris was criticised on the radio for not being as good as he should be, which I thought was a bit rich. I found out that my <laughs> scouting team is finding players way out of my league. So ah, that mine a- did that too. Stupid. What's the point? Really Telling cool. me about a twenty-five million pound player is good. I know. <laughs> So finally, I just want to kind of conclude with just to Sorry. kind of look at the end of the bull in time. Uh, the QPR game, um, we can see the penalty, which Westwood tipped wide, which was fantastic. However, then, as a scored for QPR, more oh. poor Wednesday defending, basically Westwood tipping a header onto the post. Oh, and then Westwood tipped a header onto the post at the end of the first half. QPR Grand Hall was sent off for a two-footed lunge. The thing I want to kind of bring up at this point, so do we recall just how bananas the Bullen substitutions were during this period? I do remember, yeah, just wacky, wacky nonsense, wasn't it? I do, yeah. It made me laugh. Your, your win-all in, in uh, centre-mid was exactly the sort of thing that was getting happening on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> Uh, that, that, was, that was good channeling. Luke. That was Luke Bullen to a T. That was Luke Bullen to a T. So I ended up having my makeshift team from the same substitutes. So I was making the same substitutes that they were making as much as possible. I ended up having a 2 3 3 2 DM wide asymmetric formation. <laughs> Uh, so that does really contain some strange Pepe, Silvia, red string on the board thing. But there is no connection between those players on the pitch through this game other than the players all play for Sheffield Wednesday and the hopeful culprits in trying to save Bullen's job. <laughs> so to sum up that period, um, simulation, Bullen did better. It appears I could not beat a bit of bully. Ah, very good. <laughs> in your brain then? You had a period of time where, uh, you know, chairs were reshuffled. You gave a press conference to Gary Monk, I presume. <laughs> I did not. Well, I guess it was still continuous Luke, but I did become Luke Monk. That was the the, uh, the uh, football. You feel yourself more coy than before. I did find that I kept more coy. So basically what I kind of typically found with this, um, getting onto the Monk reign, I've noted that we had an exceptionally light and injury-prone squad. Like, it yes. really felt very um, realistic to Wednesday. There were a lot of injuries during my period, even the world of simulation. Well, you, it sounded like you started with the same ones as me. So months and months of Lees being out, Hutch being out. I think... Um, I did have Lees out as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Bannon being out as well. Those were all three of those were injured at the start for me as well. So that's obviously kind of built in, I think. Let's see if I can kind of get through this. Um, right. Huddersfield Barry Ban- Barry Ban scored a penalty against Hutch from Fletcher falling over in the box again. Oh, so uh, Barry Bannon rolled up his socks, put his unconvincing foot through it. So that was good. Um, just the remarkable the nature again I've made that Joey P is a remarkably competent looking footballer in CGI. Um, so that was a one 0 victory. So that was good. We kind of kickstarted that one. Excellent. And then Fulham right. came to town. Mitrovic had an unchallenged header in the fourth minute. One 0 Fulham. 
Adam Reach, Richinio himself, made a, a brilliant header from a great cross from Palmer in the 18th minutes. Bobby Cordova-Reed, as I believe he's now known, yes. smashed one in to make it 2-1. And then uh, Harris uh, equalised to make it 2-2. So I guess that was a good start. That was four points from that. Pretty good, uh, yeah. We know then we came up as against Borough. And so this one I enjoyed just kind of going full pedal to the medal, making it attacking as possible. Okay. And the first goal was as satisfying as anything you will see all the season at Simplicity. So Bannon whipped in the corner to the back post, and knew you just rose above two defenders to nod it in at the back post. Excellent. That was fantastic, 1-0. Then Liam Palmer, the assist machine, got down the left, put it in for Reach, who follows it down into the ground, into the left-hand corner of the goal, for a delicious goal that leaves a goalie studs to the spot. Excellent. Just to uh, call back to um, previous grievances, um, that Star uh, Live thing had Liam Palmer scoring a goal as well today. Absolute drivel. Absolutely. Completely unreal. You might, you know, just, you know, go home. (laughs) Pack it in. (laughs) Fairyland. Why why didn't we win 10-0? Anyway, sorry, John. (laughs) So he won that one two one. Ayala rifled home a, a goal for Borough of a foot like a traction engine. Pull was a nil nil, fifteenth in the league. We had some news that Winnall vowed to the press to end his goal drought. So okay. uh, some real cleric like devotion from Sam Winnall. Um, just a bit of a spoiler to go ahead of the rest of my reign. He did not score a single goal, Sam Winnall. So it uh, must have been a very yeah. frustrating household for Sam Winnall. <laughs> How did you do against Leeds? How did I do against Leeds? Let's kind of go forward. That was a one-off draw. I knew you had a rare stinker against Leeds. Oh. Um, so he was actually injured in the 11th minute, had to go off. Oh, wow. um, Harris scored a 40th minute screamer. So Fox launched it forward. Harris basically cut in onto his right and wanged it into the corner. My other note is Bamford was being rubbish as usual, and then Leeds equalised. However, Augustine was trapped in the 85th minute by Hutchinson, and Klitsch stepped up and ploughed the penalty wide. So that was a one-off draw with Leeds. Against Hull, Luongo scored an absolute screamer. Uh, Luongo sticks his action foot for a blockbuster top corner goal. What a welly from the lad not far from Wellington, New Zealand. Oh, and in that game, the game against, I think this was against Wigan, basically, the 82nd minute, Dawson came on, replaced uh, Westwood. Okay. So he managed to, from a very simple and safe header, knee the ball into the floor in some strange and disastrous immediate first try at first time football. Kiefer Moore laps up the stray ball and puts Wigan onto a rare win at, at Essex. That was bad. Ayorfa made his Nigerian debut. Yeah, that happened in my game too. That's that's interesting. Fun. Did you get any support from um, John Sheridan, the press? I got more like Pearson, Megson, and Sheridan all basically felt like they were all kind of vying for my job fairly early. <laughs> that was probably it. Yes, I did have a lot of Megson and uh, kind of batting his eye, chipping away at things. Yeah, exactly. I also got things like you'd be coming up against, I don't know, you, you know, say you were coming up against Leeds and they'd like single out the centre back for Leeds and going, oh, Pearson says. They need to find a way around the centre back. Like, oh, good one, Nigel. What an insight you've brought to us. <laughs> We've got to get past their centre back to score. Well, that kind of yeah. Oh, if they're going to score goals, they're going to have to put the ball between those white stick things into that net over there. Says Pearson. But that, yeah, there was there was a few of those things as well. But yeah, it was mainly people vying for me. I then had lots of players. 
telling me that they told the press that they were disappointed with how the team was playing. <laughs> did you did you have any of that? Joey no, Pelopesi. Joey Pelopesi has come into your office to tell you that he's told the press he's disappointed with how the team's underperforming. <laughs> Oh. And then Bannon the next day. It's just a it's Fletcher did it as well at one point. Well, I had some. I'll, I'll get onto that actually. Sure, so yeah. um, comedy injury. Odubajo sprained his wrist ligaments. Really taken fans' comments of him being a wanker a bit too much to heart. Hey, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Massimo Longo got goal of the month for October. That was good. Oh, that was was that the the strike against Hull? That was indeed. Ah. Lovely stuff. Um, so things were going bad. So uh, this was quite funny. Steve Haslam called for a team meeting. So Steve Haslam, the youth team coach. Because uh, <laughs> I've noticed because the youth manager has a better handle than I have on the situation. <laughs> but I answered that, that, that thing in uh, the most monk fashion. It was a rip-roaring success. Oh, so then I had my, I actually had that same moment. <laughs> what was the comment? Something, it was something like, oh, you shouldn't have bothered because nobody, nobody seemed any different afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew very early on that I was really headed for the, headed for the door. It, it was sort of, it was set pretty firmly in stone. <laughs> Uh, from my experience, I guess, like my conversations with the players, basically, this was everything that seemed to happen. Like, I'm wondering now if the players were just winding me up with this, because it really pissed me off, Rich. Um, <laughs> Fernando Forestieri basically told the media he has no faith in me as a manager. So my response is to say that everyone has to um, pull together, pull together, you know, and we'll, we'll improve as a yeah. team. And then he said, well, I don't think that'll solve anything. <laughs> Rumours are unfounded that I then replied with, well, I don't think that solves anything <laughs> in a child's voice. <laughs> basically, let me tell you that basically I had the same conversation with Adam Reach. And, okay. and then he had the same reaction. Um, same conversation and reaction from Dominic Iortha, then Bannon, then Joey Pelopesi, then <laughs> Stephen Fletcher, then Jordan Rhodes. You know, the only player who actually had that conversation with me and dealt with it well. It's Captain Fox Morgan. Oh, Captain Fox Morgan. He agreed with me at that point. Oh, and then Tom Lee's the last person to have that conversation with me before I was fired. So I've called him an insolent teen knobhead. So I've made the observation, how can we have an aging squad when everyone acts like a teenager? Seriously. That's a fair point. Um, we had some rumours of a takeover, so Chan Siri, the Wednesday president, rubbish consortium takeover talk. I like him being known as a uh, the Wednesday El president. President. Yeah. And we're kind of so, going on to the end here. So basically, the, the dying days of uh, Luke Munkager, uh, <laughs> football Munkager, uh, up against Birmingham. Um, we managed to win that game 2-1, 2-0, which was fantastic. I went out and really stuck it at Birmingham in true Gary Monk fashion. <laughs> Saving your skin for a, for, a, for a further few weeks. In which we had a brilliant kind of first goal. Bannon's played it out to Harris, who then whipped it back in, reached half volleyed at home. That was fantastic. And then finally, my last game of my reign was up against Charlton. And unfortunately, it was a reverse of uh, reality as we lost 3-1. Didn't win 3-1. Oh. And solid to be penalty from Barry Bannon. And then I was fired. (laughs) So there we go. Interestingly, Interestingly, I had a sort of, yeah, in some ways a a remarkably similar run. My, My touch of sort of instant reality was... 
three minutes into the first game of the season, Hutch gave away a pen and got his first yellow. We were just terrible from the off. I followed my assistant's advice on formation, ended up playing basically the same sort of formation we play. You know, two sort of midfielders, uh, two wingers and a, and a, a lone striker with the back four. Um, never got any great results from it. Tweaked it, changed it. The results still stayed pretty bad. Um, interestingly, so we talked about Lee Bullen. Lee Bullen doesn't seem to exist on the game. Your assistant is a random character. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was get rid of my random character and put a a, a, a slightly better assistant in place because I knew I was going to rely on their expertise, you know, for picking picking teams for me and uh, you know do, doing the legwork. I'm very much. A, I was very much. A, I'm very much a Dave Jones sort of manager, you know. I'm on the golf course Monday to Friday. I'll turn up. I'll turn up. Uh, you know, I'll turn up Sunday, uh, Saturday about twelve o'clock. I'll, you know, I watch the match. I'll go home again. That's that was that's my sort of approach by and large. I wasn't as good as you. I wasn't sort of scrupulously scrupulously sticking to the players I had available. So I I didn't sign anybody and I didn't sell anybody. Uh, but I I did play the players I had. So Wickham and Fletcher were my kind of rotating first choice strikers. Neither of them got anywhere near scoring goals by and large. They were both terrible. <sighs> yeah, it took me seven games to get my first win. Uh, that was on the 15th of September against Huddersfield. We won 2-0. By the 19th of October, I had a game against Cardiff where we were 23rd in the uh, table and they were 22nd. And they called it El Sacico. Mm, I had uh, that again before my game against Leeds because apparently... Uh... <laughs> Apparently Bielsa wasn't doing so good. And actually, I think after I got fired, I think he was second favourite in the sack race with about five to one. Okay. With the bookies. Well, well, I won the first El Sacico. I beat Cardiff 2-0. And then <laughs> barreled headlong into my next El Sacico. A month later, the game with West Brom on the 23rd of uh, November was was also called El Sacico. I lost it, but didn't get sacked, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managed to limp on till the game against Birmingham, which I also lost, and then got sacked on the 27th of November. I, I, I was frustrated with my first run. I started playing again uh, with giving myself a bit more freedom. So I sold Atty. I sold Winall. I sold who, Forest. Who did, who did they go to? It's a good question. I'll uh, I'll pull up the I'll pull up the transfer so I can uh, I can I can let you know. And how much did you get for said players? Oh, but how, many, how many dib dabs did you get for those combined transfers? <laughs> so let's see. So for Atty, I got uh, nine and. 950,000 rising to 1.2 million uh, in sort of stages. Sam Winnall, I got one. And that was uh, and that was 1.2 million Golden Wonder crisps. Was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam Winnall, he went to Rapid Vienna, by the way. Um, Sam Winnall went to QPR for 1.7 million. Wow, that is um, good business. <laughs> no, I felt, I felt good on that one definitely. <laughs> Um, Forestieri went to Derby for three and a half million and I loaned uh, Jordan Rhodes out to Aberdeen for the season so I had it gave me a little bit of money to play with uh, thankfully Uh, so I um, I signed Alan Hutton Ibrahim Assise (laughs) kind of defensive midfielder You're really winding back the rumour mill years. Exactly, in a way, yeah, definitely. Bringing in Hudson. Yeah. I also signed uh, Ben Marshall, who was a free transfer. 
<laughs> I signed a new centre-back uh, called Alexander Milosevic, a, a, a Swedish centre-back. I got a new goalkeeper on loan because I decided that was one of the problems was neither of the goalkeepers were any good because every shot basically went in in my first run. So I got a guy called Nyland from uh, from Aston Villa. I signed Isaac Success on loan from, uh, Watford. From, from Watford. And I also got somebody from Wolves. I was panicking. I felt I needed another striker because I basically only had Winall and Fletcher. Uh, by the end of my uh, my business dealings, um, so I got assigned a guy called Campania from uh, from Wolves on loan as well. Um, so my second time round, much more favourable results. So, uh, won, the first, won the first game against Reading four three. Um, drew with Barnsley, lost to Stoke in the Cup, but what, beat Millwall and uh, Luton. Um, and I was in contention for manager manager of the month. Uh, after beating QPR, but I did I lost to, to Preston, so I think I uh, that that sort of did for me in the uh, in the manager of the month uh, rankings. I've only played up to the end of September, so uh, September didn't hasn't gone as well. I lost to Huddersfield and Fulham, but I beat Middlesbrough. But I, I'm sitting just outside the playoffs, so you know, be, given the free hand that uh, Sheffield Wednesday managers so rarely get, I've I've turned in better results than than those constricted by the uh, the the regime as it stands. But it's it was an interesting. It's, it's been an interesting experience dipping into it. I'll probably play until I get sacked again, and be interesting to see if I can make it to Christmas. That would feel like an achievement um it's interesting to see what they make of our team a little bit mm. not much so, is what i would so say rich rich and i rich and i football manager turkeys uh making it to christmas as opposed to u.s thanksgiving basically <laughs> yeah i barely made thanksgiving yeah that's a good uh, that's a good point <laughs> yeah so uh, I also I've slipped it up with um, Hutton when I signed him. Uh, wanted a clause where he would be the 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 the, um, the vice captain. He is not in any way suited to being vice captain. He doesn't have any of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the qualities one would look for in a vice captain. So um, so I. I, I picked the players that were best suited for it, which was uh, which was Hutch and Milosevic. Uh, Hutch was captain, Milosevic was vice captain. He was not happy about that, and neither was Bannon, who was the vice captain before I promised it to Hutton. So, you know, it's fun to sort of deal with those things. Uh, but yeah, it was a weird experience jumping back into Football Manager. You know, uh, it's just it's been a thing that's given me such joy. I actually think the mobile version is it still has that thing of essentially you kind of sign a few free players and you can you can kind of win the league, which is what you want. Yes, exactly. Really? Well, we do because I, you know, the thing that really confounded this whole experience for me, Rich, was that uh, you know the world of uh, fantasy digital simulated football management was more depressing for me than actual the reality that's been going on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Any hope that we can get, I think after this conversation tonight, I'm going to fire up Provolution Soccer and go score five goals with a 37-year-old Steve Fletcher. Please do. Do it for all of us. Um, yeah, it was an interesting experience diving back. Definitely, um, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna persevere. I might, I might update you next week on how things, how things have gone. Um, but it, it does, it does feel like as a kind of series, and maybe they've done this on purpose. As I say, there's a, it's a popular game still. So there's a core audience that are responding to what they do. But for, for gamers like me and people in my kind of position, I feel left behind because it's like. 
it's like the series has decided what people want is that hyper realism minute detail tinkering around the edges sort of thing rather than essentially a kind of fairy story where your team gets to be good because you pay attention and and make them make them good by being sort of slightly more clever than the the opposition which who aren't the you know the, the opposition players are not that clever um I also think the match engine is rubbish and you know it's always been rubbish it's still awful um like you know actual soccer level stuff I don't know what the point of it is I'd rather just have the text again but again you feel like you're punished because you're not picking things up from watching the action um but yeah there you go football manager bosh knocked it on the head (laughs) (laughs) oh dear one thing I do want to say from my football manager experiment was basically uh, my top assister with five assists was uh, Liam Palmer. Wow. And he's looking like a real Andy Robertson in uh, football manager. Really <laughs> been downing his iron brew flavored Powerade and uh, done a few lines of the Flower of Scotland as well. <laughs> well, obviously his uh, his counterpart in the in the Scotland team, he's, he's inspired. There you go. But he's, he's very mobile. He's looking very good in uh, CGI. Him and Joey Pelopesi, wonderful. Pelopesi was is is oddly good on the game. Uh, he scored a, he scored a, uh, an absolute belter of a goal for me as well in one of the games. Uh, he also scored one that was like a, a cross that bounced off his face. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it wasn't an angle for a cross, it looked like a shot. He kind of got in the way of it, but it it went in off his uh, face. Yes, off his face, off his off his lovely little face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Um, it's been a it's been a strange week. It's gonna. I think we're gonna have a succession of strange weeks. Uh, but you know, fun to have a little project in the uh, in the football manager there. Uh, yeah, uh, one idea we've sort of had is to pick out a classic game maybe at some point and uh, and sort of you know all of us watch the uh, watch the YouTube video ahead of time and br- break it down uh, in in similar sort of detail to how we do with the with the games as they come uh, in the, in the modern age. Uh, that might be quite fun to do. And interestingly, the BBC is showing at least in part the uh, game uh, against Derby at the baseball ground from the '93. Uh, FA Cup run that's that's being shown on the BBC tomorrow (laughs) so so it's weird it's like the it's like the BBC's had the same sort of idea as us (laughs) well there's no new football so can we just talk about old football yeah we could talk about some old football sure I had the uh, I had a video of that uh, the road to Wembley '93, which I watched an awful lot. I don't think they showed any of the final. I think it finished at the semi-final, which is the best way. <laughs> well, you kind of don't have any of the ignominy of defeat. You just get all the wonderful road to getting there. You've won the road. Yeah, and we won at Wembley. You know, we did win at Wembley, but it wasn't the final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I loved that video. I watched it so much. I also loved. I had a 1990 uh, England 1990 World Cup video, which, as a Scotsman, um, my dad absolutely hated that we had in the house. But for me, it was like it was just all the Wednesday players that I loved. You know, we had like Des Walker and uh, Carlton Palmer and Chris Waddle. Uh, or you know, they were all playing playing for for England. It's it's really good. England. England. Uh, Chris Woods as well. Would it have been at that time? I think it would have been. Probably would have been Chris Woods. Yeah. Yeah. What a treat. Oh, anyway. So we'll we'll have a think. If uh, if uh, if we decide to go down that route of of breaking down a classic match, we'll uh, we'll try and shout it from uh, you know 
as high of a rooftop as we have to let folks know ahead of time. But uh, other than that, I think we're we're probably done for the day, eh, Luke? I think that's it. Yeah, that's a good good. Uh... As a good fill of football manager, enough of football manager that I think I'm satiated and want no more. Hmm, that is just enough football manager. Yum yum. <laughs> I couldn't take another slice. <laughs> well, oh. look after yourself, folks. Uh, you know, do what you can. Keep keep uh, keep sane. And uh, yeah, we'll talk again. Cheerio, Luke. Awesome. Have a good one, Rich. See ya.